0: That's L-T-M-B-I-Y at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. In this What's On My Mind, I'm going to be discussing prayer. Um, There's a lot of confusion, it seems like, sometimes about what biblical prayer is, so we're going to discuss that, what the Bible says what prayer is. So on this What's on My Mind, Episode 7, what is prayer? And also, is it necessary for salvation? I pray you listen to the entirety of this this, uh, What's on My Mind. Thank you so much for joining me again on Let This Mind Be in You. And hello and welcome. Being you, this is uh, brother Michael D'Angelo, and this is another episode, I guess you would call it, in the series of What's on My Mind. Uh, just different things have been on my mind, and uh, what brought this to light is that um, I had a question asked on uh, my last video that I did, which at the time of the recording of this uh, of this uh, episode here of What's on My Mind was uh, First Timothy 2. And in that, I wanted to clear up some confusion. So, um, the title of what's on my mind, is what is prayer? And then secondarily, um, going along with prayer, there's been other things that have been mentioned um, recently and some of the things that I've seen for a long time, um, both online and also in conversations with people that I've met. And uh, I just want to make sure that uh, we understand um, where I'm coming from uh, when it comes to that. So, um, the title is What's on My Mind, Is uh, What is Prayer, and Is It Necessary for Salvation? And I hope to answer that biblically tonight, and uh, again, there's a lot of different, you know, um, I guess you would call a contention on this matter, uh, the second part of it, and I think by explaining biblically, uh, uh, by the Word of God, what prayer is, um, I hope to clear up that confusion, Especially the confusion that I that I put out there because what I had said was that uh, prayer is not asking, and what what I meant by that, of course, there's going to be asking, there's requests being made when we as believers pray, okay. Um, and I think I I I didn't phrase that correctly. Of course, we're going to make our petitions known. Of course, we're going to um, ask our Father. Uh, when, when we come in prayer for things and, and, and uh, for victory and for other things that Paul gives us the example through all the way through. Of course, that is there. Request, asking, um, we can see that all the way through the Paul, uh, Pauline epistles and so forth and so on. But I, what I mean to say is, and I hope this makes it a little bit more clear, is that um, the per, it's not the purpose of prayer. And, and what I mean by that, it's, it's not the heart of the matter. Prayer is not, if we go like uh, God's like some sort of genie in the bottle, we're going with uh, that type of, and calling that prayer, asking for things, um, and, and going to that saying, God, give me this, or God, grant me this, or in the case that we're going to talk about later on, God, save me. Um, if you're going there without the proper perspective of what prayer is, um, you, you'll it can be a whole bunch of different things. Prayer uh, has been mentioned. I've heard being said that prayer is a work. Uh, there's been um, brothers that I, I know of and on other videos and different things like that, talking about that and and, and refuting that and going forth and doing that stuff. And I, and I appreciate everybody going on um, and making their videos and, and talking about different things. But I think we need to describe what the term actually means. Okay, words have meaning, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So of course, the purpose of prayer is not in the asking. Um, I I I can relate it to when um, little children ask for things. Okay, you know, they ask for things. If always constantly asking for things. Okay. It, but it's not in the will of me, the father, in this case. Okay, the instant that I'm using in real life here, as far as on a day to day basis, something that you can relate to. If you have children, they're constantly asking you for things. When we come to prayer, though, as a as a believer, God knows our uh, our desires of our heart. He knows these things already. He's he's all knowing. Not only that, he knows what's best for us. He he knows all. So he said to me, Brother Mike, then what is the purpose of prayer? The purpose of prayer is to show your surrendering to his will. If I come and I'm asking for things in my own will, I'm not praying biblically. I'm just asking for things. If I come humbling myself... And saying, Lord, I, I need victory over this or so forth and so forth. The things that if it's in your will. So why does he want to hear that? He wants to hear that because it is, is a, uh, the Bible mentions, talks about it, it's a sweet smell to him. It, it gives a connotation of that. That is his desire to be close to us and to hear that we are surrendered. It's a surrendered heart. I hope this is making more sense. Of course, there's going to be aspects of asking for things, requesting things. Paul does in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, look at this real quick. Philippians 1 and verse number 4 says, Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. It keeps going. For your fellowship in the uh, in the gospel from the first day until now, and it keeps going. If you read Philippians 1, I, and I'm trying to keep this relatively short. If you read Rome, uh, Philippians 1, And what he's saying in context is, of course, he's making these requests and prayer for them. But it has to do with their heart being right with God. And when it says there, uh, you your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, he's giving uh, praise for that. Look at uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, a couple pages over. It says here, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Once again, surrendering our will will bring about that peace, knowing that he is in control and take care of those things. Once again, he knows the request that you want to make. The Bible says in other places, even more than we can ask or think He understands and knows, but he wants his children to be surrendered. Paul talks about this as the daily walk. Die daily, surrendering your will to his. Die to self. Die daily, as Paul says. It is constant. And so as we get into this a little bit, that is the heart of the matter. The purpose of prayer is a surrendered heart, mind, will to his will. Um another example is Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one and verse number nine. Look at this example here that Paul again sets when he talks about prayer. Romans chapter one and verse number nine says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request. What? If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey, by what? By the will of God to come unto you. And if you read down a little bit further, he said, you know, that was his intention. He really wanted to come to them. He wanted to see them face to face, but he was withheld. It says down further here, he says, but was let, verse number 13, hitherto. So meaning he was not allowed. Now, could Paul have gone there probably i mean he he could have physically got on a boat or something like that but he was surrendered to the will of god that it was not god's will for him to go surrendered dying to self not our will but his yes there's request but the heart is surrendered to his will jesus gives this example in the garden when he prays of course And in the same spirit we pray and cry, Abba, Father, is what he said. Abba, Father. Gives us the example of prayer how he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. That is the true Lord's prayer. And as we go through here, another thing that I'll bring up is 1 John. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And And I hope this is making sense that... I'm not saying that we don't ask for things in a prayer, but the prayer, the entirety of the, of the matter is the heart, the surrendered heart to his will. And you'll see why this is important in, here in a second when we get into the next part. But we see here in 1 John chapter 5, in verse number 14, the Bible says, excuse me, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So that's very interesting that if it's his will, he heareth us. So is it okay to pray for, like, for example, my mom suffers physically from a lot of things? Of course, I pray for her health. Paul prayed for the health of his friends and for others, the co-laborers in the faith. I pray for my, my mother to feel better and to have but only if it's his will. And I think she realizes that as well. But it's a, it takes a surrendered heart in order for that to be. In my own flesh, in my own spirit, I would desire nothing more to, to see her walk around freely and not have any pain. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, Lord. Is... Is God capable of healing my mom? Of course he is. If he doesn't, does that mean that I didn't have enough faith or somehow or another? No. Because we read in James and talks about, you know, asking God by faith and everything like that. But it's according to his will. The sooner that we can get surrendered and understand what true biblical prayer is, I think the better that'll help us as, as born-again believers, as we go through day-to-day walk in, in, in our life, to realize that God wants to hear from us, but it's not because He's waiting to make sure that uh, you know we're living let's see, uh, are you checking off all the boxes here today? Okay, yeah, yeah I'm going to grant you that wish. That's not God. That's not biblical. By the way, if anything is of his will, we come in the surrendering of our will to his. He will do it, as we see here. That includes the very first thing we do as a child of God is cry out. It is a prayer of a surrendered will, where we realize we have no way of saving ourselves, and because of him, and his work, and we surrender to that because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. And that's something I also mentioned there in the end of Second Timothy, or excuse me, First Timothy. When I talked about this and I was going through this, I, I think I didn't do that well of a job as far as when I was talking through it. And uh, for, to that brother that I, I responded to and uh, said I would do this video... Um, I I pray that this is making more sense. I I pray that the Spirit is teaching as he is teaching me every single day on this matter. 1 Timothy chapter 2, where it says, verse number 4, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? That is the will of God. It really is the, the, the Calvinists out there that believe that some people no matter what you know that they can't come you know the 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 whole five tenets of Calvinism and all this stuff that's not what this video is about but he's willing he is not willing that any should perish all should come it's available for all now will all call upon him will all will everyone surrender their their self-righteousness and come in a broken spirit I don't think so We know this—the fact that's the case—but that's not his will. Is that none should perish? He provided a free gift of salvation. So, with that being said, let's look at is prayer necessary for salvation? Now that we have the proper context, I believe biblically of what actual prayer is. Prayer is not just simply saying a bunch of words to somebody you may or may not believe exists. You know, the 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 crowd that wants you to repeat a prayer after them and then grants you and says, hey, you know, yep, you're saved now. That has given somebody a false assurance and it's not scriptural. It is not scriptural, and I know that might upset somebody out there that's listening to the sound of my voice or that's watching this. But if you're leading somebody and telling them to repeat a prayer be extremely careful because it's not the prayer that saves them. It's Jesus Christ. And it's a brokenness over sin, not just the sin, by the way, this is going to make some other people upset, not just the singular sin of unbelief. In 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about sins, plural. He died for all your sins. Is there a sin of unbelief? Absolutely. But you are a sinner because you are in this flesh. You have been not redeemed. You have not been quickened by his spirit. You have not been born again. So let's first read. I, I want to I take you back to the Old Testament because I want you to show, I show you the, the similarities and we'll, and we'll wrap it up. Like I said, I'm going to tre- keep this under 30 minutes if I can. Turn back to Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34 and verse number 15. The Bible says here, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Okay, so whose righteousness do we have? Jesus' righteousness. So as a saved individual, he hears our cry. What's the cry? Prayer. Okay, as long as it's a surrender to a will, we just got done looking at that. But look at verse number 16. Keep going. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the re- remembrance of them from the earth. Sounds pretty severe. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Now, you're going to say, hey, Brother Mike, this is, this is some prophetic stuff that we're talking about here. Absolutely. Uh, because one day they will look upon him whom they appear. They, they will cry out as a nation, the nation of Israel. And he will come and rescue them. There won't be very many left, figuratively speaking, I mean, as far as the amount that's here now as compared to what's going to be there then. But as a nation, when they finally cry out, he will come and deliver them out of all their troubles. The time of Jacob's trouble. But keep reading. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be a con- of a contrite spirit. Once again, you're like, well, this, this is, means physically, this means a physical type of salvation, that he's gonna de- and they're getting killed, and he's going to deliver them from that. It's the heart of the matter is the point. Many are of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And as we, we keep reading down to verse number 22, he keepeth all of his bones, not one of them is broken. This is speaking about Jesus Christ here, and it's a prophetic thing that he fulfilled. Not a bone of his was broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. That's going to happen. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. They will be saved. Uh, Will they not be getting killed or anything anymore? They're not going to be caring about that. He cares about their heart. They finally have a contrite heart. Looked at the word contrite. Contrite. In the Webster's 1828, literally worn or bruised. You've come to the end of yourself. Hence, brokenhearted for sin, deeply affected with grief and sorrow. Remember that word for having offended God, humble, penitent as a contrite sinner. That's the meaning of the word contrite, sorrowful. Keep reading in Psalm chapter 51. Turn over to Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 16 and 17. Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. Pages are sticking together here. Hold on. All right. All right. There we go. Verse number 16. Bible says, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Now pay attention to the next words. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Godly sorrow. You should know where I'm going next from here. But if you look up contrite, there's it's used a few more times but look that up, but for future and prophecy, um, wise turn to Isaiah 57 verses uh, 14 through 15, as well as Isaiah 66 verses 1 through 2. But Jesus Christ, God, is not interested in physical sacrifices. That's why even back then, it was the heart of the matter. He's looking upon a contrite heart By the way, Jesus Christ, speaking of him, the stumbling block. As you go uh, to Romans 9, verse 33, turn over there real quick. Romans 9, speaking of Jesus Christ, the stumbling block to the Jews, right? Romans chapter 9 and verse number 33. Let's look where it talks about that there. The Bible says here, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. All right, we just got done reading a bunch of verses. We're talking about that, the stumbling block. Jesus Christ, got it. Look at First Corinthians chapter one and verse number twenty-three. First Corinthians one and verse number twenty-three. And the Bible says. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So the same stumbling block is also to us Gentiles foolishness. The foolishness of preaching. All these different kind of things. These these verses as a believer should be coming to to your mind right now. But Jesus Christ, remember this. Jesus Christ. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You know, we talked a few, uh, what's on my mind, I think the last one, talking about election and what that meant for both the Jews and now for us. So it's beyond that. You can go back and look at that. So with that being said, just looking at a contrite heart, the heart of the matter, the one, like God's going to hear the prayers of the contrite heart. Okay, that's what the heart of the matter is. Let's look now at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me show how this all ties in here just a little bit here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 12 here. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind towards me, so that I rejoice the more. Now remember, this is speaking of the account when Paul wrote his first letter, they had repented of that contrite heart and all this kind of stuff. But look what he keeps saying here. This is what the context is. For though I made you sorry with letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath, both, um, hath made you sorrow, sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrow to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us and nothing. So they should already understand this, and here it comes. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, this is not speaking about physical salvation of any sort. It's not saving them from any kind of... uh, uh, persecution. Um, it's not saving them from getting their heads cut off, or crucified on the streets, or lit, lighting the Appian Way as they lit them on fire, or fed them to lions, and so forth and so on. It's speaking about salvation. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this self-same thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. See? It's, it's two different things. He's talking about two different things. There is repenting of, of sins and things and making sure that when you're when you're saved, of course, you know, the sanctification process. And then he's also talking about the justification, the justification, the one-time event. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sword, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what venom, uh, vehement, desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did not for this cause that had done the wrong, nor for this cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Obviously working with this, something was going on, you know, the, the man sleeping with his father's wife and all sorts of different things that were going on in that first letter. They had gotten right, right? They got it right with the Lord. But he's talking about the self-same manner of what? When they first got saved. The godly sorrow, that contrite heart, and out of that contrite heart is going to lead to some things. So again, I'm not going to go into any sort of discussion about um, the Old Testament or today or in the future or anything such as that. I'm talking about right now. This is what God has always looked for. He's looked for it in the past, now, and in the future. Now, I'm not going to get into discussion about anything else or whatever. I'm talking about for right now, though, it's the same. He's looking at the heart, the godly sorrow which worketh repentance. So it begins with a contrite and sorrowful heart. Contrite and sorrowful for what? that they are a sinner. Romans 3, 20 through 30, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, verse number 23. And then the sinners in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, and while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for that sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is used by many people, as I've already mentioned already. 1 Corinthians 15, speaking of sins, Christ died for sins according to the scripture. Not just the sin singular of unbelief. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have also, or excuse me, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He was the first fruit of resurrection. Not only did he make, he uh, nailed our, our our the ordinances and everything to his cross, the sins to his cross, the blood was shed for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. For what? The fact that you are a sinner and you cannot do anything about it. Only Christ can do something about it because God in flesh died. Philippians chapter 2 says he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant even to the cross, it says, he humbled himself. So then when finally you go to Romans 10, and everybody's you know has this controversy and all these different things, I've spoken about it before. if we understand what biblical prayer is, it's the heart of the matter, then of course this, was, this is going to say what it's going to say. Romans 10 and verse number nine that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Again, speaking about the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, what I've seen the problem is, is people want to have this chicken or the egg argument. What comes first? The chicken or the egg? God comes first is the answer to that. Anybody that comes to you and says, well, you know, um, evolutionarily speaking, you know, this, uh, this amoeba and all this other kind of stuff, is, they're getting into philosophy. I'm not going to have a chicken in the egg discussion with anybody. And you know, what comes first is God, because the Holy Spirit works on a sinner, drawing them. What is he drawing them to? Their need of a savior. Oh, I am a sinner. Oh, I, I can't do anything. I, I'm not righteous. The Bible says, I'm not righteous. All have sinned and come short. Only one, God in flesh, was able to keep the entirety of the law, the law that brought us as a schoolmaster to that realization. Faith cometh by hearing, as we're going to see, and hearing by the word of God, preach Christ crucified. Crucified for what? Sins. Your sins have separated you, but now because of him, his sacrifice, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that should drive you to godly sorrow. I can't do anything about it. Keep reading. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do I need to confess all my sins, Brother Mike? Do I need to he died for all your sins. Admit the fact that you are a sinner. Realize that. And not only that that sin, that God cannot be in the presence of sin. And he's del- He's provided, though, access, but only through one way. When Jesus—that's That's Jesus Christ, who said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, he said. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. If you, it doesn't matter if you're in the deepest, darkest jungles of, of of pick a place in Africa. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Remember, the will is that all come to repentance, that all are saved, all come to the knowledge and the truth. The truth is that Jesus is the only way. The only way not of works of righteousness that we have done. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, verse 13. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And it keeps going down. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed, our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out into all the earth, and their words into the ends of the world. Uh, Let's see, how far did I want to... Oh, I wanted to stop in verse 17. You can keep reading down. I understand in context it's speaking about Israel... Verses, or chapters 9, 10, and 11 are dealing with the nation of Israel. Now, their unbelief has brought in the ability for us as Gentiles to, in order to get saved. If you come with a contrite heart and you can't help at that moment to call. People want to say their you know, prayers of work or this, that, and the other thing. No, no, no. Please get what biblical prayer is. And again, the chicken or the egg argument. Okay, are you believing first and then you can pray? Or it's like, if you're not at the point of godly sorrow, there's no, you can say all the words you want to say. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter. I could lead you into repeat after me all I want to. It's not going to save you because it's Christ that does the saving. It's not about the prayer. Once again, People can believe in God and pray an empty prayer. Now, come on, you can't say that. Yes, I can. There's a lot of people that believe in God, but they don't believe that Jesus is God and that he died for their sins. And they pray all the time, don't they? I pray, I get this, and I pray this, and it's that genie in the bottle kind of thing, like I've mentioned before. They can pray, they can believe in God. The true God, by the way, and not be saved and say prayers all they want to. That's in Luke chapter 18. We'll go over there and we're just about done. Luke chapter 18. I busted the 30 minutes, but that's okay. Luke chapter 18. And just let's look at Jesus Christ, give the example one more time. It's his word. Let's see what he has to say. In verse number nine. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. That's, you should underline that in your Bible. Let's look at the first example. They trusted in themselves, self-righteousness. That they were righteous and despised others. They were self-righteous. They were religious. They believed in Jehovah God. But let's keep reading. Two men went up to the temple to pray the one a Pharisee, and the other a Republican. Okay, the Pharisee stood and prayed, thus with himself. It's about a contrite heart. The prayer doesn't save you. Okay, this I, again. I keep going back to this. What comes first? I mean, do you got to pray and then believe, and believe and then pray? It's the same moment because it should be happening because he's drawing you to that realization and drawing you to the realization that you cannot save yourself. And once you come to that, I would argue for the lack of a better uh, word right now, I would argue that they're both happening at the same time. The birth cries are happening. It's an instantaneous thing. It's the same time. Oh, Jesus is the only way. That is the prayer because we'll keep reading down through here. Look at this. It says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithe of all that I possess. Very religious. Believed in Jehovah God. He believed, but he prayed within himself because of the very first verse when it says that unto certain which trusted in themselves, verse number nine, that's important. They was not of a contrite heart. The heart of the matter is, is that they trusted in themselves and not trusting in who? The one that can do something about their sin. Look who talks about and talks to and prays to the one that can do something about his sin. And the publican, verse 13, standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Not God be merciful to me for my sin of unbelief. Or God, be merciful and list off every single sin that he's ever done. He came to the realization with a contrite heart, as it said there in Psalms. God in no wise was going to turn him away because that request was his will. Look at this. Keep going. I tell you, verse 14, this man went down to his house. Sanctified? No. Justified. Rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Godly sorrow, Godly sorrow. Second Corinthians seven. Now, as I said before, it's His will that you were to come to come to Him. First Timothy two four says that's that's what He wants. He's provided the way of escape. He's provided a way of escape from what? You were born into this world. As a baby, you have no choice over the matter. You're born. And as you live your life, once you get to that realization, once you come to whatever age that is, is that, oh, God came. He came to this world. Why did he come? He came to die. Why? Why did he have to die? Why did God do that? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save sinners. Because a blood sacrifice was needed. A perfect sacrifice was needed. All the pictures in the Old Testament, these things that they didn't understand because it was a mystery to them, why they still needed to come with a contrite heart. If they just came and, oh, here's my sacrifice in order to take care of my sins, right? They didn't have a heart of belief. They didn't have a heart of repentance. They didn't come in a contrite heart. They might have believed, quote-unquote, in a, in a God. They might have believed in one God. Jehovah is his name. But they prayed within themselves. So what does that moment look like? I'll wrap it up with this. What does that moment look like? Is it somebody bawling their eyes out? Is it somebody that um, is completely besides themselves? I don't know. Maybe picture somebody that's 22 years old who has committed rapes and killed a person. And I go in and I give him the word of God and I say, you know, no matter what you have done, Jesus Christ, God in flesh came to this world, born in a manger, lived sinless 33 and a half years. And he took your place, the wrath that's meant for you. When you shut your eyes in death, he took that upon himself. He knew no sin but he took it on himself. Well, why did that happen? Because greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. He loved you so much. He loved sinners. He came to die for you. And when that person says in their heart, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and believes and prays in that contrite heart, he will save that one. And that person right there I probably is going to be very brokenness as far as the tears are becoming, thinking about all the things that God died to save him from this kind of a life. He may spend the rest of his, his life in prison, he or she, knowing one day when they close their eyes in death or when they're caught up, they'll be forever with their Savior. And it can help but probably be very weeping and all these different kinds of things. I, I would assume so. Maybe somebody that can understand it. I don't, I don't want to put an age on it because people start to, that becomes a thing now. I don't care about the age, but one they can understand when the laws come, as, as Romans 7 talks about, when the commandments came, sin revived and you died, when you finally can understand the fact that you are a sinner. It's not because you've done something wrong, but that you are a sinner that separated you from God and that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, died for you. Once you can understand that, and you can understand the word of God, maybe you haven't done all those things, but you still may be in a broken, contrite spirit. You may not even shed a tear, but be super happy. Maybe so. I don't know. It could look different from everybody. But the point is, what is biblical prayer? What is prayer? Is it the asking is that the prayer? Prayer is not asking. That's not, the, that's not the heart of the matter. Again, I want to make that very clear. The requests are made. Asking is happening. Talking is happening. And action is taking place. But that doesn't do the saving. Christ does the saving. Christ does the sealing. Christ takes your uh, corruptible body and turns it into incorruption because of what he did. Boy, everybody should be rejoicing that's hearing this. If you haven't come to that moment and that realization and that realization of the fact that you are a sinner and you haven't come to that moment where you've you've just completely said, I'm, I've come to the end of myself. I can't save myself. I thought I was pretty good, but I, according to the Bible, the word of God, I can't save myself. I, I, I'm not good. I'm, I'm a sinner. Once you come to that in a realization and God breaks you over that, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You won't, you can't help at that moment to cry out. I can't tell you what to say. I think that the spirit will lead you in that, the same spirit wherein we now cry, Abba, Father. It's a. at that moment. Brother Mike, when exactly does it happen? Again, we want to get into this conversation about the chicken or the egg. I'm not going to have it. I'm just not going to have it. I love you in the Lord. I'm just going to take you to what the word of God says. And I pray that I've been clear because that's what's been on my mind. What is biblical prayer? What is prayer? And is it necessary for salvation? I say it is biblically. You need to come to that moment, that realization, that contrite heart in which the prayer takes place. Anyways, love you in the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for joining me again for another What's On My Mind. you have any questions, of course. If you made it to the end of this video, I pray you have. Um, if it's his will, that you make it through the end of this video. I pray that you would, uh, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can reach me at ltmbi at yahoo.com, or you can leave a comment below in whatever platform you're, you're looking at, and um, I should see it. Okay? That's it for now.